Cinema, baby. This is Cinema Baby, and I'm Jessica, and accompanied by my lovely co-hosts Paige and Sarah today, and we're going to be discussing two fabulous movies that we've uh, seen recently. Anatomy of Fall, we're going to talk about first, and then we're going to talk about The Holdovers. Um, both, I think, have, well, they're very different, but they both, I think, very feel... different. But I think the thing that they do have in common is that they feel very, uh, like, a small production, but with they're a powerful cold. story. Mm. They're cold. And, and there's a lot of... And they're cold. Yeah, there's snow <laughs> involved in both of those films. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for those two yeah, discussions. Me too. I... Same. I've been dying to talk about Anatomy of a Fall since we saw it a few weeks ago. So can't wait to get into that. Yes. But before we do, we are going to talk about our vibes of the week. Paige, what's your vibe? I feel like I always go first. <laughs> well, that's because I, uh, Jessica and I are still thinking of ours. <laughs> if we're being well, honest, I came prepared I got one, to class. I got one. So. I got um my vibe of the week is maybe a cheater like a cheat but it's the holdovers oh mm -hmm. <laughs> it does have a very school vibe we're entering the holiday season mm -hmm. a lot of well, i don't have anything else to say other than that okay you just gotta see this movie and you'll understand why i feel that way I also, not in a sad way, this is by my own choice, but I'm staying home for the holidays. Not the holidays, for Thanksgiving. Um, and so, so I'll you be are a holdover. On my own. I'm a holdover in my own wow. home. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Um, Jess, what's your vibe? My vibe is uh, the movie The Worst Person in the World. Oh, oh my God. That's that's that one. It's a great movie. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of was it last year? What a bummer of a we vibe. Yeah. I, I did really enjoy that movie too. It didn't I end on that, that much of a bummer. I thought she she, she found well. herself, you know. Yeah. Lots of ups and downs and challenges. It's just life. It's life. life. Baby. Mm -hmm. Um Okay. Sorry. Sarah? Um, my vibe um, is uh, the summer hit flick Barbie. Oh, like Yeah, it's been a good week. You know, I've just been busy. Yeah. Saying hi to all my Barbies. Had lots of social outings. It, um, it was a fun weekend. It was just just being high Barbie all over the place. Um, <laughs> minus the misogyny. So that's always mm -hmm. good. We love when that's left out. <laughs> we love that. So, <laughs> yeah, just kind of in a fun week. So, I'm feeling Barbie. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbies. Hi, Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> well, fabulous. Can I, I finally to... talk about this movie now? <laughs> yes. Let me let me start us off with the plot summary, and then uh, we can get into it. Um, so, the um. The summary is, the story begins when Samuel is found dead in the snow outside the isolated chalet where he lived with his wife, Sandra, Sandra a German writer, and their partially sighted 11-year-old son, Daniel. 
An investigation leads to a conclusion of suspicion, suspicious death. It's possible to, it's impossible to know for sure whether he looks like his own life, took his own life or was killed. So, um, the trial pulls apart the couple's relationship. Daniel, their son is caught in the middle between the trial, their home life, his doubts, and the toll that it takes on him and his mother's relationship. So very, um, uh, tumultuous story. Um, mm-hmm. and a riveting court drama. So let's start with everyone's initial takes, non-spoilery. Uh, Paige, remember, this is a moosh-boosh start, so don't get too far into it. Um, <laughs> but your general spoiler-free thoughts, first impressions, your letterbox rating. I'll toss it to you, Paige, first, since I know you're itching. Again, I'm going first. Oh, my God. Well, you seemed like you wanted to. <laughs> well, I She's also been of, chomping I- at the bit. I mean, everybody knows what I think of this movie. It's five. It well, it's not five stars. It's four and a half stars. It's not quite perfect, um, but I just love the storytelling in this movie. Obviously, the um, like the what the movie's about is kind of something I love. You know, law and justice. So mm-hmm. it being a courtroom drama, you automatically get my attention. But also, this is the first time I'm watching a courtroom drama having started law school. So I felt like I came at it with more of a, I don't know, like I was nitpicking some of the things, which obviously I don't know French law at all. I barely know US law. So there was just things that happened in the courtroom that I was just like, oh my goodness, that would never mm-hmm. pass in America. So that was just like it made for a great movie. Um, mm-hmm. But the acting in this movie is just like everybody came ready to perform. Mm-hmm. So good. Specifically, mm-hmm. obviously, we talked about Sandra Huller. Huller? I've heard it say um, Huller as well. So whatever way you pronounce it. <laughs> just Sandra. Um, Good old Sandy. Her character We've, name is Sandra as well. I know. Works out great. Yeah, but uh, her performance was just incredible. Like, I haven't really seen anything like it before. Mm. Um, and it's a French film, but there is a lot of English speaking that does occur. So it kind of made it a little bit more digestible of a foreign film. So if you're not used to the foreign film, like, world, I wouldn't say genre. It's not genre. Um, this is a great start. It is. Because it's yeah. also a fantastic movie. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what are your thoughts? We didn't watch this one with you. No. Yeah. I watched this one separately. Um, I I liked it. I didn't love it as much as you guys did, um, but I, I liked it. My letterbox rating is 3.5. Um, I thought it was good. I think I think the problem that was a me problem and I came, I thought it was going to be more thriller Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little, I think, I think that was, uh, my expectation was not quite met with it. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, and, and it kind of felt like, and we'll, we can talk a little bit more about this when we get into spoiler zone, but it felt like it was doing a lot. Like there was a little bit of a thriller portion and then it went to courtroom drama and then it went to like family drama. And I, I kind of like was like, oh, back and forth, back and forth. It, it felt like it was doing kind of a lot in my brain at least. Um, but everyone was very impressive in the film. And I, Paige, I think you're exactly right. It, it's a very, um, 
it's a foreign film without feeling very foreign um because there is a lot of english spoken and the languages that were spoken were um easy to catch right like i didn't feel like i was missing anything in the narrative itself even though it was a courtroom drama it felt very Mm -hmm. familiar to our culture as well with like the marriage issues and like the mother son and then also parenting with some i've never parented but like seen people parent with kids with disabilities and Mm -hmm. so it was just like felt very i don't know a widespread of topics that i feel like every culture deals with definitely and sandra was obviously incredibly impressive um with her performance it Mm -hmm. it it almost sometimes it just felt like i was just watching a person like no script or anything she was very impressive um and the most impressive though was snoop the dog Snoop the dog. I can't Os- wait to digest my letterbox review was Oscar to Snoop immediately. So yeah, agreed. Love them. Do you, Sarah, do you think you would have jumped up to a four star if you came in like you weren't swayed by the? Was it the trailer that made you think it was a thriller, or just I the poster? Was, I think it was the poster that made me think it was going to yeah. be a, more of a thriller. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, maybe spoiler, not really because it's a poster, but there's a dead body on the poster. You know with blood so i Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be more thriller-esque um i don't know that's hard to say because um i didn't go in with i did go in with a certain amount of expectations so it's hard to say if how i would feel differently um i did feel like it was doing a lot and um this might that i you know what i didn't love sandra as a person I, i don't know that i was supposed to end up loving her because they just she was just portraying a person it wasn't like any, it didn't feel like anybody was trying to convince me any sort of way, but I didn't like her, <laughs> which I actually think is more impressive of an acting performance for her. Yeah. Um, but There's, yeah, likability yeah. is unfortunately important for me in my letterbox rating. So yeah. I don't like her very much. You like a leading person to be likable. And this exactly. one certainly yeah. is ambiguous about that. Um, which it can be I argued. Like argued <laughs> it can be argued that that's more impressive. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's, it's a very um, respectable review. Um, I think uh, uh, my kind of general spoiler-free thoughts would be the, um, I love this movie because it felt, it was very refreshing um, type of movie. I feel like it's a really interesting take on like the true crime drama. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our discussion about the killers of the flower moon and taking the mm-hmm. central plot of a movie being about well killers is multiple murders but this one being um a suspicious death as they say and that being the central plot line but i would argue that it's not the central storyline which mm-hmm. i think is what's really powerful about the movie totally. um it's uh like you guys were both saying they feel like real people and real characters mm-hmm. and they're in real places you don't feel like you're just on a set uh like studio like you're not just in a box um it feels both claustrophobic but expansive like i think it really keeps you on your toes in suspense as well but it doesn't do suspense that's heartless so Mm -hmm. it's always driven it's always character driven suspense with which i think is really exciting um you know to balance off of you know what we usually see of suspense being um, physical 
like mm-hmm. threat, threat to life. Um, but this is, you know, threat to life in a different way, which would be um, this woman's freedom, which we'll get into what ends up happening in the trial. Um, but that being really on the line. And I think the stakes were really felt throughout the whole mm-hmm. movie, not totally. just in the courtroom, but also in the home life. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I think the three of us will still say, see it. I, I, this is going to be definitely in the talks for Oscars. Um, and I mean, I, I, I would like to rewatch it when it comes to streaming. So we'll keep our eyes on that. I don't know if any platform particularly has rights to this one. Uh, so I'm not sure. Um, but I will watch this again and hopefully get a different perspective knowing how the movie ends. Um, and if it's still like, is it a rewatchable movie? I'm not sure yet. I think it is. But if you know what happens, is it still hold its same weight? Um, I think it actually leaves a lot open to be interpreted too for the yeah. end. So I feel like that definitely adds to its rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's my instinct as well. Okay. Well, that is our spoiler free review. I, oh, sorry. I rate, I gave it a four stars. Um, yes, I gave it four stars. So fabulous movie. Um, so we're entering spoiler territory. If you do not want to know how this spoiler alert, drama spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Wee-oo, wee-oo. yeah, I, I don't, I please li- like, I do not suggest you listening to us and then go and watch the movie because this one is really affected by the ending. Totally. Um, so yes. Okay. I think that's enough of a chance. Okay. So story, plot, structure, let's go into it. Um, I think it would be really interesting to hear your guys's. This is kind of out of order of what I have written here, but I want to know your guys' thoughts. Did she do it? I think that's a good question to drive the plot conversation, at least. And the question is, did she kill her husband? Did she push him out the window? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm partial to hoping that courts get things right. Hmm. And sometimes, obviously, they don't always. But most of the time, with a just and fair trial, you get the right result. And there was clearly not enough evidence to prove that this woman did this. Like, she... The blood splatter thing... Forensic science is, like, the most leading cause of um, wrongfully incarcerated people. And so, the fact that that's what they were holding their whole case on was this blood splatter, I was just like... This doesn't make sense. Um, but also, French courtrooms do be wild. Oh like, my gosh. It was insane. Like there was, why is there a panel? And why was she being questioning? As a defendant, you don't have to say anything. And why was like, everyone talking all the time? I was like, guys, the there's where's the structure to this courtroom? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was really just... bizarre seeing it feel more conversational. Like we're so used to our courtroom dramas or just courtrooms. I'm actually, I've never been in one, but uh, where one person is on um, the stand and people take turns asking questions. But with this one, there was a person on the stand, but you can pull up multiple people at multiple times and multiple people can be asking them questions. That was yeah. the craziest thing. It, w- it was wild. I'd be was- curious to see how like, actually accurate that i mean i i know recognized movies take a certain amount of freedom and the realisticness of it but it's got to be realistic in some sense yeah but a lot of the prosecution was like just speculating 
Yeah. And then they just like allowed them all to say that stuff. And I was like, whoa, 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 guys, this is straight opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most egregious one for me, um, I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on which testimony was it to you, but when they brought up his therapist, the, um, yes. the father's therapist. Yes. And he is just, crazy. it's just all, uh, just all just assumptions. And, um, that's also where one of my favorite lines in the movie came from, but like the therapist is just saying, yeah, he was upset with her. He was afraid of her and just making all of these accusations based on private conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, that which, were just coming from him, which is not totally wrong. I think when there is like a suspicion of a murder, you can. Um, I can't think of any. Literally, I've been sitting all day and I can't think of another word. But you can like call a witnesses stand that has like a patient relationship okay. privilege. Yeah. yeah, like say as me as an attorney and my client allegedly kills somebody. Like I think there is like laws now don't quote me on this anybody i'm a first year student but i think that i could be called to the witness stand and have to testify um so you do break client privilege attorney or client yeah whatever you got it you got it you got it but like correct me if i'm wrong from what i've seen in my courtroom dramas is that you know yeah you bring your therapist on but once they start making like accusations um that paint a picture outside of those client notes then they would then that lawyer would say objection blah 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 some word afterwards right because you know but they never were able there was no ever there was never allowed to be objections i don't think that was ever a word that was said even in french yeah it was crazy that the witnesses would just share like a testimony without being questioned like they would just give us which which maybe this happens, but I don't think this is how this typically works. Usually you call a witness to a stand and you ask the witness questions. They can only answer based on that question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it has to be factual, not opinion based. And if it's opinion based, you say like, this is my my opinion. opinion. This is alleged. Like, cause you know, the jury has to decide what's real and what's not real. And it was, I don't know, it was crazy that they were just allowed to go up there and, like, give a testimony like that. Loosey-goosey. Jess, do you think she did it? I don't. I don't either, but I was still not satisfied with the ending that she got off. Yeah. I have another hard-hitting question for you guys, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Oh, little tease. Yeah, and I think we will... um, assess a little bit more through why or why we don't think she did it Mm. um i did want to touch a little bit on um a couple of the the movie facts just Mm -hmm. basically budget um this the budget for this movie was 6.2 million according to you know some quick internet research Mm. um and the box office for it has been 16.5 which so it's, it's a successful movie um it's one uh it won the um the biggest award at the yeah i can at the can F- film festival um uh the director uh justine being the third woman to win it um and then, ever is that true yeah i wow. believe so okay that's sad Pop but off, i'm happy queen. for her yeah um so again quick internet research so don't only do it Fair. um and then uh the dog as um Sarah pointed out 
amazing performance and he was also recognized um winning the palm dog award and i, I had no little, idea that existed i know i didn't either um so i did a little research of course i needed to know some past winners of this award. oh my god did jenny win nominees <gasps> so it has to be a dog which i think oh. they should just open oh. up to best yeah it should be animal that makes sense like jenny freaking yeah, it's very specific. But the only like real, I'm sure there's other ones that you guys have probably recognized that I don't, but the only one I recognize of recent years was the dog from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. That was a Brad Pitt's dog. She won that in dog. 2019. I barely remember that dog. Yeah. She and was the, the German Shepherd, right? Uh, was she a German Shepherd? I thought she was a pit bull. I haven't the faintest idea. One of those scary dogs. Yeah. And then um the oh, and then the other award was the artist. Did you guys ever watch The Artist? Oh no, no. I didn't. Yeah, so that apparently that dog won an award. Um and then the dog from The Lobster, one of Paige's favorite movies, um, mm. was given a jury prize. Do That's remember nice. Bob the dog? I remember the dog, the brother. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yes, but so those Snoop are some was... shouts to some canines. <laughs> Snoop was very warm. impressive, though. Yeah, Snoop was so impressive. His uh, little I... tongue sticking out of his mouth like he was dead was crazy. I was straight worried for Snoop. I was like, is PETA in on this? Like, do they know what's happening? Like, is yeah. this dog okay? How do you tell yes. a dog to do that? I don't, I Jen, I don't know. Yeah, so some, some context. So the dog is the son's like companion slash like assistance because he is partially blind um and so the dog follows him all the way around which did you guys notice he was blind like in the beginning or was that something revealed yeah. to you i didn't know what his disability was but i knew he there was something okay yeah it wasn't until he had his testimony that he was describing him feeling the different tape mm. um to feel to know where he was is when i realized that he was portraying um a partially blind person um but that kid's performance was amazing yeah he, he did an excellent job fantastic um i i was reading that it was a quite a process for him to be cast it was like a two and a half year process because originally they wanted a french speaking no first they uh, originally wanted a um an actor that was actually blind um so oh. he's not um the um i think his name is the actor name is milo um and then she also wanted him to be blonde so it looked more convincing that that was her son but um he did apparently did such a fabulous read which i think he's proved himself that he actually like she, what she explained he like he didn't feel like a child actor he felt like an adult actor and like he was able to take direction very well um yeah, what were you guys' thoughts when he poisoned the dog and, and the seniors are talking about? Did you think, like, what? what why do you think he did that? What was your process thinking I was, during that scene? I was still in my thrill. This is a thriller brain. And I was like, <laughs> the kid killed the dad and the mom's trying to cover up for him. I'm not kidding oh, you guys. That's literally oh. what I thought was happening because I was still in my thriller mindset. Mm. And I was like, that would be crazy. The kid did it. Um, and the mom's trying to protect him. Oh, so, my God. It was way more dramatic than it actually was. <laughs> um, yeah. He just had well, a theory. Once it came out, he had a theory and he had to test it. And oh, so sad. I mean, it was really depressing. I was really going to be upset if we were about to watch that dog die. I'm so glad he was. Oh, yeah. I was very worried. Yeah. Yeah. So but we watched that dad die like 14 times. 
Did we? <laughs> we did? I mean, we saw, like, all the theories. Oh, oh like the reenactments yeah. of his Yeah. yeah. With, with the dummy, what they just threw out the window. That was crazy. That was upsetting. I was, like, that was very what? upsetting. Because they're just on this, like, lovely hike, which was insane, which I cracked up. This was also one of my favorites. When she was, like, describing. So one of the reasons why she's upset and they have all this turmoil in the relationship is that they moved back to um the this alps region in france i forget the exact city it's just like grenoble or something i don't know how to pronounce it and sound really uneducated but um and she's like yeah we moved back to your shithole like family town and then like they're literally in and the alps it gorgeous. looks gorgeous <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. ma'am have you been to Western North Carolina? <laughs> it's all I don't think you know what you're talking about. One person's shithole is another yeah. person's like dream vacation spot. Yeah. Yeah. But it is crazy because like, um, so she is a native, like the character German and she meets this French guy and then they move to London together and mm-hmm. then they have a son and they have to choose. They couldn't, Neither of them wanted to, I guess, become fluent in the other person's language. And so they choose to speak English um, mm-hmm. for their which son, which is crazy, um, but helpful, I guess. Um, but she speaks all three languages, French not as well, but still. The actress, right? No, I'm talking about. Oh, the character. Actress. Sorry. The character. Um, so she ends up you know, obviously going on trial in a French court. And so they're saying, you got to speak French in our court. Um, and then there's eventually like a point where she's like, I can't explain this in French. Can I please speak English? And they put all their little headphones in. So the translator will, will um, translate it into French. And I just thought that little moment when she, cause you could see her struggling to share her story. And that's when yeah. things kept getting um, misconstrued when she was trying to say it in French and so once she speaks English, you start to get the whole story clearly. Yeah. Um, and so seeing that struggle happen to just her in this trial can imagine that what that kid felt the uh, tension in his family mm-hmm. of like, I can speak French and German, but which one do like, how do I navigate this within my family with my parents, which I just and thought was interesting. I thought like where I thought the movie was at its best personally was the um fight that was filmed between the husband and the wife where she's like Amazing. kind of reminiscing like when she's getting yeah let's her, talk about um, that her um and and so she's going back in her brain thinking about this fight that they had um it was very marriage story-esque um but so I, there's like, everyone seen the meme of Adam Driver drilling his hands into the wall of um, a marriage story in that movie. But this was like elevated to a degree that was like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm actually inside this argument right now. It was mm-hmm. extremely well done. Like it was a very impressive scene from both actors. Um this like argument fight scene i i was really blown away by it yeah, like, I, that was my that was my favorite scene of the movie agreed the writing in that was so good because i, and I don't know how much of it was improv either but the you can the fact that it didn't start as an argument is what mm. makes it so real like it started with a simple like planning of a day 
like, okay, who's going to do what? And then the escalation just keeps getting ramped up. And the fact that one person in the, in the, um, the argument was a lot more calm than the other person, like mm-hmm. that's whole, how arguments always happen. And then that one person gets, here's one thing and then they blow up, making sure the other person blows up. And I thought like the structure and progression and even just the choreography of that, like how, how, like when you're in an argument, you'd find something to do while you're doing it. Like, okay, put the dishes away, but still yell at you. Like it felt so realistic and that it starts with something small and the animosity that you carry from Mm -hmm. other things that you're just bitter about always bubble up. Yeah. Yeah. It was very Yeah. I really, really, really loved this scene because um, we've all seen The Marriage Story and they do an excellent job of showing the tension of a relationship and how one person can feel seen and one person can feel, you know, underlooked and underappreciated no matter how appreciated they are. If they in their mind say they're underappreciated, doesn't matter. And I could see that happening in this scene. But what Mm -hmm. was so interesting is that this argument starts for us through an audio file in the courtroom. And you're listening to it and you're reading this, you're reading this transcript of it. And then suddenly you're immersed into the scene. And this is kind Mm -hmm. of the first time I think Mm -hmm. you see them together. Um, Mm -hmm. You actually see the man alive. Like, um, and so we're transported back in time and I forget this is a courtroom situation. I forget the, why we're watching this fight and how we're even here. And you're fully immersed into this like painful argument. Mm-hmm. And it's later revealed that there's a suspicion that he started his argument because he wanted to record it for mm-hmm. his alleged book yeah. or whatever. Um, because he was recording part of their life for a book, which is a normal thing for people to do as authors. She was aware of that this would happen. like, But it seemed like this was a staged fight. And so it's hard to even believe that he actually felt these ways because it was just an argument over like her having more time to do what she loves, even though all this thing that he kept arguing back on. And maybe I had a bias because I already was team Sandra the second I started mm-hmm. this movie. I was like, I I love this person. I tend to love this type of character. Like I already had my defense mindset on. I'm like, she didn't do it. How do we tell her? How do we win this argument? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like felt for her more than I did in this argument, but I could understand where he was feeling underappreciated, even though he put himself in this situation. And it's hard to Mm -hmm. navigate out of that, especially in a relationship when you did move your family to your hometown and you said, if we do this, I will take, I'll homeschool our son. I'll do Mm -hmm. this. I'll do this. And then that changed for him, but he never communicated that change. And so that argument was, she was like, what? Where does this come from? And then obviously it gets violent. But they, I think Justine did a really cool job. Like she brings us back into the courtroom, back to the audio side of it. And we don't see the violence. We merely hear it, which I thought was a really uh, fun, creative choice because now we're still left speculating. Mm-hmm. How did this start? Who started it? Who got violent mm-hmm. first? Mm-hmm. Like, well, even later- Stan- well, even Sandra admits, she's like, I, I threw the first cup. And then that yeah. provoked him to do X, Y, and Z because it is in the beginning of the the um, the investigation. She shows that she has bruises on her wrist, and she said, "Oh, it's just because I hit a counter." And you see her like enacting. So she didn't want to get into this type of argument, mm-hmm. and she had no idea that this was even going to come up. And so you think like, is that because she's trying to hide it because she was the aggressor, or it's because she? really didn't think this was going to be an issue because it wasn't even on top of mind 
that this would be even coming to court. And like mm -hmm. you said, Paige, mm -hmm. I think it was really interesting device of starting the recording, going to the reenactment of the fight, and then going back to the courtroom. Because you also feel like, like you were you were saying, Sarah, that we were actually in the room, you're actually watching the fight, and like you can feel how exposing that is for her, like how vulnerable and just exposed she feels because mm -hmm. not only is she there in front of a room of people who are literally there to judge her, but her son is also there. And that adding like a huge, um, like, well, again, like what we're saying is the plot versus story of like the story of like her trying to make sure her son doesn't view her as a monster. Well, I think for this um, courtroom day, she didn't want her son to be there mm -mm. i can't i can't i can't remember if he ended up actually going to the courtroom i think he is i think he ended up deciding okay. that he wanted to be there for the whole thing okay. which that was my second favorite scene which is a very close second to the first is the um court appointed guardian for him oh yeah when he like when he's kind of breaking down and it's like i don't know what to believe because he's hearing all of these um conflicting points in the courtroom and she's like you just have to decide like what you're gonna believe and believe it like you kind of just have to decide um and i was like whoa because how many times do we do that ourselves you know like man mm -hmm. that was that was crazy to hear out loud like too so that I, that was incredibly impressive as well yeah that that leads me to what that uh, the teased question one of those unanswerable questions do you think the conversation um that he testifies happens between him and his dad actually happened or do you think that was a story he made up to get his um mom yeah. released so just to set it up real quick is that he we're at the point in the, the storyline where he asked to be to stay with the the court appointed caretaker to be away from his mom to come to this decision which you can feel the weight that he's like how serious he's taking this because he's trying to figure out he wants to know the truth which is the whole mm -hmm. reason why he also chooses to be in the courtroom like he's like i just have to know which he expresses to i forget what character but he's like i just need to understand Mm -hmm. And you can see the agony of his pursuit of understanding, which is why he did the experiment on poor Snoop to figure out if like his dad could have been struggling with depression and could have thrown up and had all these pills on the ground and why, um, if his mom could have done this and wanted to hear the argument and whatnot. And so in the end, he ends up giving a testimony, um, that explains his father saying, you know, sometimes I like basically thinking about death and one day you're going to need to be prepared that I'm not going to be here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think a conversation like that happened. I think that would be. Mm, you know, it up. For that kid to make up that whole entire conversation. Now the um, insinuation that that was like him basically explaining that he's going to kill himself. I'm not sure how much like truth that there is in that i don't think that she did it but i think the conversation yeah. happened i'm just not sure his insinuations in that conversation were were all the way yeah i think it was like probably a father contemplating his own more 
mentality mm-hmm. and thinking, how do I teach a child this? And then mm-hmm. had a good lesson mm-hmm. because the dog almost died. And so he's going to, he's like, basically you have to be okay when, you know, Snoop is not going to be here anymore. And I do think he was teaching, it was talking about like he was talking about himself as well. Cause one day he wasn't going to be there and it could have been, you know, in contemplation of him wanting to take his own life or just in general. Um, but I also do think that scene was so beautiful as well, because instead of we're in the car with the father and the son and it's hap- we enter this car from the courtroom again, cause the kid's giving this testimony. And instead of hearing both sides of the conversation, from each other's perspective, we hear the kid giving the perspective and saying mm-hmm. what his dad's saying. And the mm-hmm. audio is the kid's voice, but then you see the dad speaking. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was so, I don't know, was, I've literally never seen that before. And I thought that was mm-hmm. really a compelling way to tell the story to remind you, you're still in this courtroom, but we're mm-hmm. traveling back to this conversation. And it made it hearing like kid's voice do it made you like, you know, tugged on the heartstrings, made you think, mm-hmm. wow we're all going to die. How do we deal about that? Like it made me think about my mortality and how would I teach a kid that like kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah. I know it was really compelling. Yeah. And I think it also, again, this so such intelligent screenwriting that it again underlines the fact that this entire case is based on he said, she said, speculation, emotional judgments, and challenging our, you know, predisposed just assumptions. Like Paige, you're saying you want her to be guilt, uh, innocent because of your attachment to her. And some people, like I think that are explained in this, um, or at least shown in this courtroom, is like they have animosity towards her, her, um, career success and her being potentially some underlying misogyny and and whatnot. And I thought, I thought that was an interesting kind of underlining. Okay. Like constantly being reminded, it's like, how do you get the truth when you're dealing with other people's quote unquote truths and also are um, questioning our own kind of presumptions. Yeah. And there, yeah, there's definitely a lot of biases in the movie related to her and him. I, I do like, I do want to say though, the she did so an important kind of part of the movie is um the son had an accident kind mm-hmm. of under the dad's watch a little bit. Technically mm-hmm. he was under the watch of a babysitter, but um Sandra really and this is where she kind of lost her sympathy to me for me. Um she clearly still like blames him a lot for the child still kind of being under the father's care during when he had that accident that where he lost his eyesight. And the movie made it clear that she still has a lot of mm-hmm. um, unresolved feelings towards him in regards to that accident. And so I will say that's kind of where she kind of lost me. Mm-hmm. Um, See, that's crazy. I didn't blame her for that. Because I feel like mm-hmm. you okay. have to, not that it's a healthy way, but like I can understand that struggle of something outside anybody's control happens, like this freak accident. And you have to have somebody to blame and yeah and then you choose like your partner that you're supposed to like you know that's your partner in life that's i know i think it's tough but it's under an understandable way to place your grief and it's i i agree i think it's understandable but also that accident happened when he was like that like what eight 
eight, he was like four when that accident happened. And that kid yeah. probably is like eight or 10 now. Yeah. I think he plays an 11 year old. Is the idea. Yeah. Something like that. So it's been a few yeah. years. So I was just kind of like, I don't know. You're losing my sympathy there a little bit lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, any closing thoughts before we um move on to the holdovers? Just the usual, go see this movie. If you didn't. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I'll see it again. Yeah, I think this is um, one of the best courtroom dramas we've had in this past decade. I would like to make a list of that sometime and try to think about it. But I think the, one of the best dramas. Yeah. Seen. Yeah. And I'm excited to see Sandra um, Holler. Holler is also in the zone of interest. So I'm excited to see. Oh, is she? What that performance yeah, that, looks like. Yeah. That has to be so good because that's what the French nominated over this for their uh, oh, wow. oscar pick yeah wait wait no no that's british oh wait i think the french Which one was the, it it's the taste of something oh yeah the taste uh yeah anyway that better be that I'm better excited. be really good yeah. yeah but i don't think that because they didn't nominate this for their foreign film that we won't see this at the oscars i do think it has a good chance of being best picture nominated i i agree yeah, I think the people love it. Yes, they do. I mean, yeah. yeah it's the taste of things. Sorry, I just wanted to confirm. That's the French mm. one. Okay, so the holdovers. Let's get into it. I'm going to read a quick plot a summary. Uh, so this movie is from the acclaimed director Alexander Payne. The holdovers follows a curmudgeonly instructor, which is played by Paul Giamatti at a New England prep school who's forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit the handful of students with nowhere to go. Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker played by um, Dominic Sessa, which is this is his debut performance. And with the school's head cook, who just lost his son in Vietnam, played by Divine Joy Randolph. Um, this movie is set obviously in Christmas time and has such a nostalgic aesthetic. Mm. So I'll start with you, Sarah. What was your, uh, initial thoughts, non-spoilery thoughts? I loved this movie. Um, this is a four star for me on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I thought it was very very well done. Um, the chemistry between Paul Giamatti and did you say his name was Dominic? Yes. Dominic. Um, so good. Um, they were very impressive scene partners together and I'm sure he was very intimidated by an actor like Paul Giamatti who's been, you know, around for a little while now. Um, and the very, um, I think it, it felt very nostalgic because in, Jessica, I was reading what you had researched about how they filmed it, and then they added in some of the graininess of the um, mm-hmm. of the for like the picture of it, um, and you could tell, and that was it was very very well done, um, and then also in the quiet undertones of the um, of of the Vietnam War kind of throughout the movie um that was especially prevalent in divine joy randolph's performance because that was how she lost her son but even Mm -hmm. throughout the movie there were um quiet things that like 
it, it was like a thread through the movie, but a very quiet thread, which I thought was very impressive and, and very well done. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the two, the two leads were, were very impressive. I thought it was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Paige. I, okay. Here's, <laughs> we all know how I feel about being emotionally manipulated in a movie. Uh-oh. Mm. However, <laughs> she loved it. I really loved this movie. And honestly, it's going to be hard for me to talk about without crying. So we'll see if I shed mm. tears on this podcast. Um, I just thought that this movie, first off, four stars, because I can never probably ever rewatch this again. I might be able to. Um, maybe I'll force myself to because of the emotion that evo- it evoked and the dis- like the drive it kind of put into me to really care for people for the ho- uh, through the holidays mm-hmm. um because i'm uh well we'll wait a little bit i'm trying not to speak too much about what happens in the movie before we mm-hmm. get into our spoiler warning i do think the performances were um exceptional and they portrayed different emotions in a way i've honestly never seen before um the relationships on screen were so believable. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly yeah. probably they're probably real in real life. Mm-hmm. Like these people are probably really this close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I at first I kind of hated it. Like the first I would say forty minutes, I was like, "This is mean. People are not this mean. There's no way people mm-hmm. are this mean." Yeah, the kids were really mean to each other. No, really can't confirm. Nasty. Children are rude. Like just telling you, like your father's never coming back for like it was just like really intense cruel things and i was just like Mm -hmm. this can't be the whole movie and it wasn't so good news (laughs) um but anyway those are my thoughts for now i loved it okay two two four four stars i think it will also get four stars for me maybe up to a four and a half on rewatch i need to i'm i'm currently struggling with the question which we'll get into i'm curious to hear your thoughts and that kind of sways my opinion. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a wonderful, heartfelt story. I thought um, to ki- this is the perfect movie, I thought, to kick off the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. Paige was saying, it makes you really think about your compassion towards people um, and really thinking about you never know where, what people are going through. Mm-hmm. And no matter how, how they treat you, um, and I think the three characters in this movie all gave us different glimpses of how people can be compassionate and cruel and, uh, and mm-hmm. also struggle with their own internal issues. So I thought those were three awesome pictures that I think you can either relate to all three in different ways or you'll relate to one character um, over the others. And I thought that was a, like beautiful writing and um, – yeah. The story, like, it felt like this movie didn't have much fat to trim. It, it like felt like it was going somewhere, and I, I like felt myself smiling a lot during the movie, just because yeah. the overall just um, atmosphere of the movie you just kind of wanted to be in. Like, although you're that the story's about being stuck somewhere, like if the actual like presence of the characters and the movie, like. I don't know. It just felt like a, a cool hang. Um, it was looked so cold. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it, it multiple ways. reaffirmed my decision not to move to Massachusetts. 
Massachusetts. Massachusetts. You got it. Which, Amen. I've yeah, heard people say yeah. Massachusetts. So, yeah. oh, so <laughs> I'm glad I'm staying at Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So four stars from all three of us, which wow. is our, I think our first time, first time we ever agreed. agreed. Yeah. Um, so this is a great, I think a, a perfect family movie uh, mm. as well. Like if you're Thanksgiving and you're trying to find something to do with your family because yeah. you don't want to talk to each other, this is a great movie to go watch and then you'll have something really nice to talk about. I would actually agree with that. There's not like yeah. very many, there's not like inappropriate or anything like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's, yeah, it's adult, it's adult, but also like, I think, I mean, obviously teenagers are going to want to watch this too, um, being set in a prep school. So we don't get enough of these, I would say. A family flick. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, one that's not from Pixar. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into spoilers then. So this is spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler wee alert. Oh, wee oh. This is not necessarily like if you hear this, this will ruin the movie, but no. it's a it, it's a fun journey that I think people should go on without knowing yeah. the end. Because I knew I keep, I keep hyping up this like spoiler theme of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And I only call it a spoiler they, theme because I live like the trailers do not allude to this. Yeah. Last and, podcast. Or maybe really saying I missed that. this. But the whole grief. Situation. Wait, hold on. Okay. We're the spoiler alert. We're moving on. We already did it. Okay. Well, I'm just going <laughs> Just one more time. What, the, yeah. What, is, what have you been talking about? Grief. I feel like the, they didn't mention or they didn't allude to like this having to deal with grief during the holidays is not what I thought this movie was going mm -hmm. to be about. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just going to be like, you don't have a place for the holidays mm -hmm. and you're left and so you're alone. And so you make mm -hmm. friends and you make your own family, your chosen family, essentially. Not that Joy or Divine Joyce Randolph's character, Mary, loses a son the year before that year and oh now has God. to have her first christmas like that to me was i was that broke me mm -hmm. <laughs> the little saying. shoes the little shoes oh did God. you guys not think that in that box was going to be his hat and then you were just shocked to realize that like i was thinking there was his ashes that i thought it was going to be his ashes oh i thought it was his like his like navy or marine i don't know what he was and honestly the baby hat. clothes was more devastating yeah when she opens that box and then her sister like, being pregnant and she's just putting all of the baby toy, baby clothes in the nursery for her sister. And you know she was avoiding seeing her sister the whole time up until mm -hmm. the point where they decided to go to Boston. And then she was like, <sighs> I'm coming with you. Drop me off in Roxbury, oh, I think she said. I, I, I mean, that was just... And you no, know, Paige, you're totally right. One of the main themes through the movie is grief and how we handle it. And it's it's like portrayed in three different ways. Mm -hmm. So incredibly beautifully, like with Paul Giamatti's character and kind of his grief on like not living the life that he thought he was going mm -hmm. to lead. Yeah. And then in Dominic's character, like the grief of having a family but like them not wanting him did not feeling like they want him to be a part yeah. of that family and then divine yeah. joy's character going through like actually one of her family members passed away i mean holy crap just those three thorough like lines all the way through the movie were so incredibly beautiful and so well done it was just very impressive agreed well, then also with the boy and his dad and the whole mm -hmm. time you're thinking oh, that God, his dad yeah. had passed away yeah and he, in a way i felt like that would have been an easier story 
to understand and Mm -hmm. be like okay he's also grieving like the loss of his dad and now he's in this weird family situation now but it turns out that his dad is alive but he is becoming mentally like um absent and so mm-hmm. he's i think schizophrenic as well as mm-hmm. has, deals with de- early onset of dementia and so having to one your dad's not even really there anymore mm-hmm. um and that moment when they're having that conversation and they meet up and he's telling his dad about all the things that he's feeling grades yeah and that he feels like his dad is me. listening and is engaged but then mm-hmm. instead of being like i'm proud of you son he says i feel like they're poisoning they're my poison food me. or whatever mm-hmm. and, and so you see that his dad's not there and i mean the kid has to deal with that and grieving somebody who's still alive i feel like it's so challenging mm-hmm. i can't even imagine um and so he oh my god dominic i can't believe this is his first performance in a is that crazy rush that scene he was oh so excited God. talking about school and like you could mm-hmm. see the excitement on his face like how excited he was to tell his dad all of his accomplishments and how proud he was of himself and mm-hmm. then just to see his face fall when his dad says that i mean holy cow mm-hmm. like i hope we see him in a lot more things he was really good yeah mm-hmm. i mean i cried so hard during that scene yeah I think what you guys all are saying about like that these are three separate stories, but I feel like their dynamic of all either all three of them or each with each other never felt like forced or it felt very natural the way that Mm -hmm. they interacted with each other, Mm -hmm. um, whether it when there was tension between each other or when there was actual unity and camaraderie with each other i think all those moments felt very authentic and no storyline felt shoehorned into another i feel like that's Mm -hmm. what happens a lot with these movies when there's multiple arcs of characters Mm -hmm. and then you feel like this like it feels very inauthentic when they talk to each Mm -hmm. other about those things and Mm -hmm. i feel like it was very smart like certain things that they chose not to have the characters talk about with each other like when paul giamatti's character sees that um Dominic, the um, I keep forgetting the his actual character, Ingus, the character Ingus, the yeah, the Mr. The high, the high schooler when Holy. he drops his um hygiene bag and his medicine comes out and he and he recognizes Paul Giamatti's character re- recognizes that's medication for depression, mm-hmm. and then he said they say nothing to each other. He picks up his medicine, he goes into the bathroom, and then you see Paul Giamatti going to his his bag and pull out the same exact medication yet you never see a conversation where those two characters talk about that mm-hmm. and i think that felt i thought that was a very smart choice of realizing that there's certain things you'll still keep your barriers up but you see how yet they can still relate and have compassion to each other without yeah. having this really weird like forced Oscary conversation about it totally. um, in order to have a monologue with each other. So I thought there were really good choices um, in the barriers each each other held to, for each other. They did a yeah. lot of showing, not telling, which I always appreciate. Mm-hmm. Well, there is one line that um, Paul Giamatti's character, Paul says, and I feel like that sums up like kind of like how the story comes together is that we meet these three characters and they're all pretty bitter and mean mm-hmm. and evil. Mm-hmm. And then you slowly get to know 
how they came all to the same school, essentially. And then when they're in Boston, they're in the museum, he's, you know, doing his little teacher thing. And he says, Mm -hmm. history is not simply the study of the past. It's an explanation of the present. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we learned by learning all of their stories, we understand the bitter place that they're at or the hurting Mm -hmm. place that they're at. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was like such a beautiful way to introduce grief it wasn't just like we learned that all like the first thing we learned was that passing of mary's son that was made pretty apparent pretty quickly but all the other intricacies of learning about her husband's passing like or her fiance or whatever Mm -hmm. and then like seeing the layers of grief build up for her and then for each of the characters all just builds to explain how they're at this school and how they came to be on the holidays together and i thought that was just like a really unique uh storytelling method mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I one one of the questions that i have that i feel like will be very personal to each of us or maybe not maybe we'll all agree is what did you guys think of the like what sarah was saying that they added this grain so it feels like it's shot on film um and the aspect ratio for the movie is is different um and like the beginning of it the way they did the credits kind of the r rating like Mm -hmm. i I don't know every single thing the fact even fact that they use roman numerals to show the date Mm -hmm. um what did you think about that like nostalgic kind of aesthetic did you find that gimmicky or did you buy into it for being something part of the story what were your guys thoughts Listen, you'll almost never hear me call something gimmicky. <laughs> you can get me on anything. I ate it up. Love it. Yeah. So I'm not the right person to ask because I will almost no, never no, I find think that's, something gimmicky. I think that's, I think that's fair. Paige? I will think? always use the word gimmicky. <laughs> but did you think it was gimmicky or do you think it was No, I think it's interesting story? that we keep... Yeah, I think it's interesting that we keep saying this is nostalgic. I think it should be said this is, takes place in the seventies. Nobody yeah. here, we were lived not alive in the seventies. <laughs> well, so I think it's really interesting, and I get what you're saying. Like, I agree, yeah. this is so nostalgic. Like, it gives that homey, Christmassy feeling, and totally. like it just feels so familiar. And I think mm-hmm. that's why everything works so well. They don't yeah. pass that like trying to sell that this was the seventies, like over like part of it felt so modern that I was like, this is happening now. What are you talking about? Like other than like the attire, like, but, um, so I liked it. I felt like it fits for a holiday movie and the genre that it was trying to fit into. I think you need it. And I do think some of the nostalgic aspects were very subtle, kind of like what I said at the beginning with like the subtleties of the Vietnam war. It was never like, we've got war going on or it's finished. I don't even know where they were in the seventies. So I don't know if it was over at that point or not, but it, it, sometimes those movies, I think like really rely on like the current events of the time. And I feel like Mm -hmm. this movie definitely did not do that. Yeah. It kind of reminds me how in the Banshees of Inishirin, they allude to Mm. the civil war Mm. happening, um, but never directly like push that agenda in their movie. Um, very they didn't uh, make the time period necessarily a character in the movie which i think was towards the movie's benefit Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, i think i think the other thing that i I don't want to um pass over either is paul giamatti's performance 
he was so incredibly good. impressive. I, the way that like we kind of weave through his story between like disliking him so much, like he seems like a complete jerk to the scene that really got me was when they were at the Christmas party and he was talking to the coworker. I guess she's a secretary. I'm not hundred percent sure what her job title is. And then you could see how excited he was. And then mm-hmm. to see her, I guess her boyfriend or whoever come through the door and she kissed him and to see the disappointment on his face, you guys, mm-hmm. you know, that crushed me. That scene was made for you. That <laughs> crushed me to my, like, Oh my gosh. My moment was when he was so excited and he gave them the, the, the Christmas cookies. Yes. He's like, I guys, know. look, I have these. I have these to share with you. And I he's know. like, and you can tell like that was him genuinely trying. Yes. And, and the Christmas was- tree, he went and bought like one of the Charlie Brown Christmas trees. And I actually guys, can't talk so- about that. <laughs> he the- was so happy. And that's why it's like when <sighs> I was present. like, yeah. I know when I was gathering my thoughts for the movie and I was like writing all the moments that I thought were just really like heartwarming and um, just brought a lot of emotion. I was thinking like, these are just such cliche tropes, but oh, never yeah. watching this movie. Did I feel like, Oh, this is cliche. Like it's the classic, like the, the unlikable man becomes likable. You yeah. fall in love with the Scrooge, like the, the, bratty teenager actually ends up having like some emotional trauma like you know like there's a lot of tropes but it never felt tropey <laughs> like the, I, wonder, like, I wonder why that is because it plays out exactly like the trope plays out every yeah. time but i don't yeah. know why it didn't feel that way with this one i can't quite put my finger on it yeah the guy that never followed his dreams started to follow his dreams and he's going yeah. to greece you know <laughs> like yeah. it was so cliche but Maybe that's what we like need again. I don't know. And if it's with, artist, well. with an yeah. artistic guy, have you guys ever seen any of um, uh, Alexander Payne's movies? I don't think so. I everyone I, said it was an Alexander Payne movie, and I didn't. I don't quite recognize yeah. the name. The I've Descendants seen... was the fresh one for me, or the the biggest oh. one. Yeah, yeah, I like that movie. Descendants, and I've seen Nebraska. I have. A, what did you think about Nebraska? Quickly, like good, bad. Um. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. And then, and then, uh, did you guys watch um, Downsizing, which was his last film? So it's been like no. six years since he's. Made That's something. the one with Matt Damon. Crazy yeah, because it's Matty D. Of course, I've seen it. And he's like <laughs> tiny. I actually really like that movie. Oh, it's weird. Weird, but good. I think that's why I, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So he's won two Oscars, Alexander Payne, uh, both for writing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's won um adapted screenplay twice for both the descendants and then the movie sideways which has been on my watch list for a long time because it's about a wine trip so i need to watch oh um, so um yeah, and that was also Valley. paul giamatti yeah yeah paul mm-hmm. giamatti was that that's where they started and i think mm, i forget there's someone else i don't want to say the wrong thing though um but yeah and then he's also been nominated for best picture i think the descendants. Oh, the descendants yeah and it's good maybe, maybe um also sideways was in there too but that was the year 2012 when he was nominated for sideways was million dollar baby one and then um the year Tough. he was nominated for descendants the artist one which i also never watched that me either 
I'm like, for some reason, I really don't like watching black and white movies that are made in present day. It feels pretentious, right? It's like, yeah. guys, what are we trying to do here? Yeah. I have a bias to it, so I, I need to evaluate that. But mm. anyway, so any last thoughts on um, the holdovers? Yes, best scene of the movie. Mary cooks Christmas dinner. Mm. And Angus says, thank you, Mary. Oh, my gosh. Frick. I've never, I've never had a home-cooked meal like this for Christmas before. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely crushed me. I'm I, we made it through. I cried so much. Jessica turned over to me. If just nothing was happening. And she said, are you okay? No, <laughs> I wasn't. I was not okay. You were okay. like, no. Oh, so I was like, I was like Sarah on the movie. Are you there? Goddess be Margaret. Love that, oh, that's oh no. so. That's my my final thought. Um, yeah. is I feel like those movies are comparable in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they really play on the nostalgia piece. Um, and they really, I I feel like what both of those movies do is um follow through similar threads of characters like we've got the little girl margaret margaret's mom and the margaret's grandma and mm-hmm. kind of those three characters and how mm-hmm. they experience their life in different age so i feel like they're they're similar comparable and wise and i do kind of wish it's like the lady version of this movie kind of <laughs> in some ways and i do i know i said this on our last podcast but i just think that we need to talk more about this movie not that we have any say in any here's gonna find a way to figure out how to mention are you there against yeah. me margaret in every podcast yeah i i just wanted to mention it you know no, i we'll I let you do that, it i think that's a fair comp though i, I don't think that's i don't think that's forced and I just want to, I wish that that movie was the movie we were talking about for the Oscars and not necessarily the holdovers, although I did love the holdovers, but I just, I just want us to talk more about it. There, there is two, two quotes in here, uh, that we can't go unmentioning before we close out this conversation. We must When he calls the waitress a fascist? No, we must. <laughs> well, that was pretty good. <laughs> We that need to acknowledge the best singer I've seen, which is what he tells to the headmaster as he quits. He's like, you are a human form of penis cancer. And he just walks away. <laughs> that was the crazy. The whole movie theater lost it. Yeah. <laughs> he just called a man penis cancer. And oh my gosh. It was hilarious. Um, <laughs> he, there was a lot of good singers in there. There was um, so many. Like the one, the when the kid goes back to him and says, "I thought all the Nazis left for Argentina already." Argentina, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was good. But anyway, mm-hmm. I think we all will solidly say this is a, a rewatch if Paige can survive watching mm-hmm. it again. Um, but a good Probably holiday not. movie. Um, uh, I will say it is like a Christmas movie for people who don't want to watch a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's more Christmassy than Die Hard, I will say though. That is not a Christmas movie. I know, but people will argue otherwise. Well, yeah, a lot can, of people feel they're differently. Wrong. Well, and this this discussion before going to favorites with the quote from Paul Giamatti's character saying, Life is a hen house, shitty oh. and short. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm throwing it back to you, Paige. Uh, well, after that emotionally draining conversation, let's talk about <laughs> some of the things that we've just been loving this week um, that we have in our favorites folder. Sarah, what you got? 
My favorite this week is um, a Netflix series. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called The Crown. Uh, <laughs> oh, I heard somebody mentioning that. Baby. <laughs> it was probably me. Um, season six is back. Let's go. Let's see a trailer so for that. It's the final season, right? It's the final season. Um, and the first four episodes are out. And then the last couple of episodes come out in December. But you guys frick i just love the crown so much but um so this last season is focusing well we just i actually don't want to spoil it in case anybody watches it but i actually um, haven't seen it yet so well i don't okay regardless um we're, we're getting into uh princess diana's like heyday and is then, the same actress playing her or is it another well, it, new one well it's i don't know where you are season I've five seen all of them Okay, it's the same actress, Elizabeth, okay. or um, something, Debicki, Catherine, okay. or Elizabeth Debicki. I can't remember. So sorry, Debicki. Um, is Dominic West? No. Still, yeah, Dominic oh, West God. still playing Prince Charles. Um, Prince Charles. You guys, it's it's fantastic. Fantastic. I can't wait to get Netflix. I, yeah, I finished it already, and I'm now I'm bummed. I have to wait till December for the next episodes. I used to listen to the Companion podcast on that. <gasps> I had no idea there was one. It's really good. It it's like the only companion podcast I've listened to that's been, it's like produced by Netflix, like oh. produced by the same makers. It's the only one I've ever done that because I always thought they're, they're, they're really gimmicky. Every time. But it's really interesting to hear about the, the historical how much context. is historic and how much is conjecture. I am always Googling as I'm watching that show just to like, like check in. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's pretty impressive how well, I mean, of course, their dramatization. I'm, I'm not under any illusions that they like are ripping conversations from the palace, but um, it, it is crazy how, how accurate it feels like some of it is. It's, mm. it's, it's very good. Highly recommend. Check out The Crown. Phenomenal. Um, my favorite thing is going to have to be this week. Um, because I am so excited for tomorrow's game, and it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Tomorrow, we are playing the Kansas City Chiefs, which I'm so nervous for, because although we have lost one all but one game, um, sadly to the Jets, we, we have been dominating. But I've watched almost every single game, and in the games, we don't dominate. We just barely scrape by, and so I'm very nervous. The Chiefs are good. <laughs> but they've also been kind of like – there have been tighter games than they needed to, as I've asked Tim, because I'm like, how are they doing? <laughs> all, I, all I know is that Taylor Swift's boyfriend is on their team, and um, Taylor Swift's best friend's husband is the quarterback. So, um, which I'm just kidding. Actually, no, Patrick Mahomes. But um, I'm excited for the Eagles, and I've been loving the football season, keeping up with it, and I hope we go to the Super Bowl again and not lose tragically like we did last year to Go this anxiety sports. that you feel as an Eagles fan because you're like, I don't want them to lose mm -hmm. can be quickly diminished if you become a Giants fan because, because you'll never have that feeling because they always lose. Uh -huh. So you don't have to be worried because you know they'll lose. And so you can just enjoy beer in the game. And then if they win, excellence bonus. Yeah. Just thank a recommendation. You, thank you for that recommendation. I think I'll stick with, you know. Okay. Well, when you're ready, Jalen hurts and you come to the fun side. Our quarterback is always hurt, and when he's not, he likes to throw to the other team. 
Mm. <laughs> Which is entertaining. Yeah. Very, very generous of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a kind man, DJ. Mm. Fly, fly equals fly. Uh, go big Page. blue. <laughs> Sarah, thank you for that Eagles like reenactment. I did a bird because it was fun to do. Yeah. I don't really care about very sports. Napoleon Dynamite of you. Paige, what's a favorite thing so, of yours? My favorite thing as of today, um, what I've been vibing with is Marcel the Shell with shoes on. <gasps> have you have you been watching him? Yeah, I watched Aww. it today. Oh, are you I'm okay? Over here typing right in my uh, little memo that I have to give to my professor on the law. And I'm like, you know what would be good? If Marcel was telling me about life while I was doing this. Oh my gosh. And so I just put him on and his little voice is perfect. And I love when he says, I like the idea of a dog. I just tie a dust bunny to a string and carry it around. And then you see this little shell pulling a dust bunny by a leash. Um, so couldn't recommend that more. Um, it is both a good vibe and it also makes you cry. And um, it's funny. It's really lots funny. Good, really cute. It's lessons. like you can't even describe how adorable like you were like it's like one of those things you're like he's so cute like i just want to eat him like that feeling you get from yeah. marcel the shell um which i don't really know how to understand that feeling but I i've tried it. to just i've tried to describe that i said that once to tim and he's like why do you want to eat a baby and i said you don't understand i, <laughs> I said she's don't so know how cute. to explain her cheeks are so cute you you're just like munch them up. Mm. i want yeah. to internalize it you just want to internalize it yeah it's, oh, it's, people get, the people like, get it is it where is it streaming are you legally getting it or how, i am how? uh i think it's on paramount oh. okay so yeah you're not like getting it from like you know lime wire or something but i would never i give i give the creators their deserve mm. yep sure yeah <laughs> what they deserve <laughs> sure thank you get them the stream well, awesome. I think this was a lovely conversation, ladies. Um, What's next, guys? What are we doing about, next? We're about to enter the Thanksgiving season. Saltburn? Pick things oh, off yeah. with Saltburn that oh, Monday heck. we return. Yes. So we got Saltburn and then I think Poor Things next. I think, I don't think, I think the Pullian's before Poor Things. The, no. Oh, I mean, it is. I can't. I can't. Okay, well, okay, we'll figure well, it out. It, it, but. The dates say oh, that you're it right. is. Yeah. Napoleon's okay. out this week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We got to figure that out. So birds first. And you guys are watching the the, the next, next goal wins. Faster. Next goal wins tomorrow. So I'll be curious to hear how, what you guys think of that. But until then, uh, it's been until then. it's been a great time. Bye, guys. Adios. Au revoir.